Well, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 13. It's about three-fourths of the way back in your Bibles. John 13, verses 6 through 9, is what I want to look at in just a minute. And if you didn't bring a Bible, hopefully there may be one near you in the seat rack near you. And uh, if you turn to page 751 in those black Bibles, you'll be right there at John 13. We're going to look at verses 6 through 9 here at the outset of the service. And I want to talk to you today about receiving while you're turning there. I want to talk to you about this thing called receiving. In the New Testament, there's this phrase that I was reading this week, this matter of giving and receiving. And a lot of us talk about gift giving at Christmas time, but I don't hear as much about receiving. And the truth is, there's over 250 verses in the New Testament about receiving directly, and then there's other ones that are implied. And so this is a big subject. It's kind of like a pair of scissors. Scissors will not work with just one blade. You need both. And so part of growing in the Christian life is learning how to give and receive. But this isn't so easy for some of us, is it? When I was a boy, uh, I've told about this before, but my grandfather on my father's side lived in Iowa, and we would celebrate with my dad's side of the family usually on Christmas Eve day, then drive all the way on Christmas Eve to my grandparents in Illinois, and then wake up on, on Christmas morning and celebrate with them. Well, on my dad's side, my grandpa Nelson, and there's a story to this that I'll talk about later, but here's a picture of him. And um, my memory of my grandpa Nelson during Christmas Eve day when we'd be opening gifts is he always brought a newspaper or a book to the circle. And the reason why is because receiving for him was tough. And so we would get gifts for grandpa and you know, we'd all, especially as a kid, I, I'd think, I wonder if grandpa's gonna like his gift. So we'd come to grandpa and he'd uh, usually open his gift. I, I can picture many times opening the box, no expression, no acknowledgement or anything like that, put the box down next to his chair and open his newspaper, read his book. And remember thinking to myself, it's hard to give to grandpa. Grandpa has a hard time receiving. And I remember just being aware of that. Well, as time went on, uh, I noticed in myself that sometimes I acted entitled when things were given to me. Sometimes I complained about it or I didn't receive it well. And even in the last few years, I've had several friends tell me, you know, Jeff, it's not so easy to give to you sometimes. Do you notice that? You're, you're not necessarily a very good receiver. Some of you have told me, as I've talked about this subject in years past, this is tough for me. This is difficult for me. Well, I want you to see a New Testament passage that'll probably encourage you if it's tough for you, and it's informative for all of us. So let me read these verses. And by the way, before I go any further, speaking about receiving, last Sunday, uh, someone gave the staff a whole bunch of these woodcuts saying Amazing Grace, these ornaments, and I never got the name, and so I'd really like to acknowledge you if you gave this to me, to us. So uh, would you stop down front and talk to me if that was you? If you, uh, I won't make you pay. All right, so here we go. Here it is, verse 6. On the night before Jesus was crucified, he was washing the disciples' feet. This was outlandish. And so all of them were taken off guard. Now look at verse 6. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Now think about this. Jesus wanted to give something to Peter. He's right in front of Peter, and Peter is absolutely 
thrown off by this. And Jesus says, I'm teaching you something profound, Peter. Stay with me. Verse 8. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Translated, I'm not taking the class, Jesus. No. This is wrong. I'm not going to do this. You'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Now, can you feel the tension in the room? Jesus is like saying, can I continue? Are you willing to receive? Peter's like going, Verse 9, Peter answers, Then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus goes on and says, You know, hold on, Peter. That's a little bit over the top. You're overshooting it just a little bit. But the point is, I want to give to you. And will you receive? Can you relate to Peter's struggle at all? Are there times when you just go, No way. No way. Or I don't know what to do. And so I want to talk to you today. I want to try and answer this question if you're following along in the notes. I want to ask the question and and try and answer it. Why is learning to be a humble receiver so important in life? Why is learning to be a humble receiver so important in life? And let me answer a couple other questions before I give you some of the reasons why it's so important. First, I want to just ask, Are there ever times that we shouldn't receive? Yes, sure. As good parents, we tell our kids, do not accept candy from strangers. Why? That's not a wise decision. Some of you may be in relationships or situations where people give to you in order to manipulate you. If you've ever been in that situation, it's very tricky to figure out. It's very difficult to understand. And so there may come a point where you, you have to just say, this is hard for me to say. It's going to be hard for you to hear, but I can't keep doing this. I don't think this is healthy. I think that you're, uh, you know, you're trying to obligate me in a way that just does not feel like love. And so got to say no to that, at least for now. And then some of us are just in very messy relationships, difficult, broken relationships, where there may be a season where the giving and receiving has to be postponed. But those actually are few and far between compared to the everyday situations that most of us find ourselves in receiving. And so while that requires some discernment, most of the time, receiving is a very important part of life. <clears throat> the second question is, <clears throat> why if, if it's so important, why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult? Have you ever thought about this? When it's time to sit in the receiver's seat, is that not more humbling than to sit in the giver's seat? Does it not feel more out of control, more hard to plan for and rehearse for? It's, 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 it's a lot more difficult. None of us want someone to one-up us. We don't want to be obligated to someone unnecessarily if we can help it. And many of us, when that happens, we feel very naked. Very, all our insecurities come roaring out. We feel like the spotlight's on us. Kind of like Grandpa Nelson. You know, every eye. Wonder how Grandpa's going to do. And it can easily become thought of as a performance. Am I performing well as receiving? And that's not what the Bible has at all in mind. But it's difficult because we prefer to stay in control or we prefer not to owe anybody anything if we can help it. Years ago, I did a a message like this about 25 years ago, and and we had a dramatic skit that day. And one of the things I remember is it was between a husband and wife, and the wife comes out with this huge, thick computer printout. And he said, what's that? 
She says, oh, this is the computer printout of all the places we've been invited to this last year, what they served, what they had on their table, how they decorated their house. He says, like, why do you keep track of all that? She says, I got to pay them all back. He goes, good luck. A lot of us live in payback mode. It's tough just to receive. We feel like we've got to somehow justify ourselves. So those are some of the reasons. But I want to share with you four reasons why it's so important and how it can affect our life. And here's what I'm hoping. By the time we walk out of here today, my prayer is that you will be thinking of some very specific, tangible ways that you can grow in this whole practice of receiving. So let me just pray, and then we'll uh, move ahead. Now, Lord, I just, I know I need everything you have for me this morning your power, your wisdom. I pray for every person in this room that you teach us how to receive this message. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so let's talk about this. Did you know that only as a humble receiver, if you're following along in the notes there, let me give you four reasons. Only as a humble receiver can you and I first become like Jesus. Become like Jesus. One of the things I love about the Lord is that he never asks us to do something he's not willing to do himself. So Jesus could have said, when different people came to him here on earth and tried to give to him, he say, no, 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 I'm the son of God. I don't need that. He could have done that. But instead, you see this incredible, beautiful receiving. Some of us say, well, that's easy. He was Jesus. But the truth is, is he was God, 100% human as well, in human flesh. And he went through a lot of the same things that we go through. So he had incredibly awkward moments of receiving that he had to practice. I mean, I don't know about you, but if a woman all of a sudden came into a room who you had helped change her life and put her on a right course, and she came sitting, you know, in those days they reclined, she came at the foot of your, you know, the table and started crying and then weeping all over your feet and wiping your feet with her hair and then also kissing your feet. I don't know, would you call that an awkward moment? Oh my gosh. And many of the people in the room are going, someone stop this stuff. And Jesus said, he received it graciously and beautifully. He understood her heart had been broken by grace. And he commended her. Another time that I love is when the little boy brought his lunch, five loaves, two fish. Jesus was about to feed a multitude of at least 5,000 men plus women and children. And he says, what do we have? He already knew what he was going to do, but they said, well, there's, the only thing we can find is this little boy that has this five loaves, two fish lunch here, and he's willing to share it. So I don't know exactly how it went down, but here's what I picture. I picture Jesus getting down on his knees, looking at the boy and receiving it and saying, thanks for sharing. And then he looked up to heaven and he said, God, thank you for this. And then he began to break it and bless it. But do you think that little boy ever regretted he gave his lunch to Jesus? No way. And that leads to the second thing, is that Jesus affirmed others by the way he received. Jesus affirmed others by the way he received. There was another awkward time in his life. I've listed it there in Mark 14. It's also mentioned in John 12. A lady named Mary of Bethany decided the, that she had an opportunity that she didn't want to miss. So she took the most expensive thing she owned it was this very expensive alabaster jar of a perfume that came from India, cost thousands and thousands of dollars. It was probably meant to be a family heirloom. And she decided to break it over Jesus' hair as if anointing a king. And the Bible says 
The scent of it was so thick, it just filled the room. Immediately, a whole bunch of Jesus' disciples say, hey, that, that, you, you, that was foolish. What a waste. You could have used that money to give to the poor. And what does Jesus do? He says, leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing to me. She has prepared my body for burial beforehand. And a few days from now, when I'm hanging on that cross, I'm going to smell that in my beard. Wow. The way he affirmed her, do you think Mary ever regretted that costly gift? No, in fact, he goes on and says, and from now on, wherever the gospel is told, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Now, I would call that long-range affirmation. Jesus had this ability to look at people and not just go, oh, you're making me feel uncomfortable, but to say, what a beautiful gift. What a beautiful giver. Thank you, Father. And he walked around like that. And you and I can too. It's the only way you and I can become like Jesus. Second reason that we need to understand how important receiving is, is that only as a humble receiver can you and I begin, even begin or grow in a relationship with God. Only as a humble receiver can you and I even begin or grow in a relationship with God. Did you know that? Many of us are familiar with religion and not Christianity. Religion says it's about what I do for God. It's spelled D-O. Christianity is spelled differently. It's spelled D-O-N-E. And it's based on what Christ has done for us as a gift. The Bible tells us that all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have all gone our own independent way. And because of that, the consequences of that sin is death, is eternal hell, separation from God. Our sins separate us from God. They don't just offend them, they, they separate us from God. But God, rather than leaving us in that condition, knowing that we could not save ourselves, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in Jesus would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that requires receiving. If you're following along, notice that because it's a gift, we can't earn. Because it's a gift, we can't earn. Would you look down at that gray box about two-thirds of the way down and read those words with me from John 1, 11 through 12? He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Let me finish with verse 13. It goes like this. Children, not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus said, you must be born again. That means you cannot pull it off in your own power and strength. You cannot come into a relationship with me by what you do, but by what I have done for you. You can receive it humbly. And that's why in Mark 10, 15, he once made this remark. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. What does that mean? Does that mean childish? No, it means childlike. A childlike way is to say, I need everything you have for me. I am dependent upon you. I am not self-sufficient enough to do life without you. And so the Bible says the only way to even get started is by receiving. And that 
does a work on our pride, doesn't it? But the great thing is, is that Jesus humbled himself so that we would humble ourselves and receive what he offers. And so that's powerful. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift. Have you received it? Some didn't receive him, some did. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right, the power to become children of God, not just forgiven, children, dearly loved, children of the Most High God. And we just studied that this last year in Ephesians. Unbelievable. So when you and I realize that we deserve nothing, but he has given us everything, we walk around not with a spirit of entitlement when it comes to receiving, we walk around with a spirit of awe and amazement and gratitude. And notice the second thing is that not a one, it's not a one time, but a daily way of life. It's not a one time, but a daily way of life. You know, I would be remiss if later in this service, I don't give you an opportunity to receive Christ. And I'm going to do that before we end. But here's what I want you to know, that if you do receive Christ, that's not the last time you receive. You don't say, okay, God, I've got it from here. Now it's all about what I do for you. Friends, we're involved. We participate. We give ourselves fully, but that's not what merits us. That's not what makes us loved. We do it as a thank you because we are loved. We do it because now we're in a relationship with someone who lives in us and wants to show us a better way than just being independent spirited. And so we have to continue doing it. It's the only way to keep growing. Every once in a while, I get cocky. I've walked with Jesus long enough now that I, every once in a while, I start thinking it's just, I'm one one impressive Christian, you know? You ever have moments like that? I guess I'm the only one. But anyway, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, look at this. It says, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, Jeff, why do you boast as though you did not? Everything you have, you had to receive. You are not as amazing as you think you are in yourself, but with Christ. Christ, I can live and receive him. Years ago, someone, uh, I, I bought a fax machine. And uh, I know we've moved beyond that for the most part. But I remember when I was looking at the manual, that the manual said, you can pick the mode you want it to operate on. You can have it just in sending mode or sending and receiving mode or receiving mode. I remember thinking to myself, I want to live more in receiving mode. I want to walk around every day now that Jesus Christ has given me a new heart and new eyes to see. I want to notice that the sky is bluer. I want to notice that the trees are greener. I want to notice that my family is more precious than I ever realized. I want to notice that the stranger in front of me matters to God. I want to live in receiving mode and realize that everything is a gift from God. The second Their third thing is that only as a humble receiver can you and I become a bigger-hearted giver. Only as a humble receiver can you and I become a bigger-hearted giver. Can I be honest with you? Here's another reason why sometimes we struggle receiving. is because we don't want to be perceived of, perceived as freeloaders. You know, we we don't want to be like people that always look like we're taking charity, right? And so... One of the, that's actually something we should protect against, not just being people that just go, hey, keep it coming. I have no intention of ever being grateful or doing anything about it. No, it means that once our hearts get fixed like this, now it can make our hearts bigger. And if you're following along, receiving rightly will lead us to pass it on. Receiving rightly will lead us to pass it on. Years ago, 
a guy that I was friends with when I was a pastor out in Iowa, almost every single time he and I went out to lunch, he would grab the check. And it wasn't because I was letting him, okay, in case you guys are wondering. So we'd get to the register, and I'd go, Paul, when do I get to pay? Like, this has been a whole bunch of times in a row. I said, what do you expect me to do? He says, two ideas. You can say thank you. And he said, I'll give you the same advice someone gave me. Pass it on. I'm doing the same thing someone else has done for me. But you see, I realized how much it meant. And now I want to do that. King David, when he stood before the people of Israel one day, was saying this prayer to God, 1 Chronicles 29, 14. This is a beautiful prayer. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. But by you giving it to us, it's enlarged our hearts. It's made us realize how rich we are in you. And now we want to be people that don't just act like holding tanks, but pipelines. Pass it on. Pass it on. I love so many things about this church family. One of the things I love is how many of you have become pass it on people when Christ changed your life. And I want to grow in that too. But notice that Jesus once said this to his disciples when he sent them out. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, now freely give. I gave to you so that you could also be the same kind of hearted person towards someone else. Look for opportunities. As you receive and continue to live in receiving mode, now you can become a giver. And that leads us to Acts 20, 25 that I've listed in the next section where Jesus once said, it is more blessed to give than what? To receive, right? Even non-Christians know that verse. Well, some people think that means that Jesus says it's only blessed to give. He doesn't say that. He just says it's more blessed to give than to receive, implying that once you become blessed as a receiver, you will know even a greater blessing if once it reaches your heart, it goes back out of your heart to other people. And so that's what he wants us to understand. And that leads us to this last one, this fourth one. Not only as a humble receiver can you and I become like Jesus and begin to grow in a relationship with God and become a bigger-hearted giver, but fourth, only as a humble receiver can you and I give someone else the joy of giving if you're following along. Only as a humble receiver can you and I Give someone else the joy of giving. If you're following along, when we don't humbly receive, we can rob the giver. When we don't humbly receive, we can rob the giver. But at the next line, when we do humbly receive, we give the giver a gift. When we do humbly receive, we give the giver a gift. Years ago, because my dad was a pastor, I grew up in a church. I've had a chance to be in a lot of church services, and I've heard a lot of people sing. So one Sunday, I remember I was really struck, not just by how well someone sang, but how they sang from their heart, and it, it moved me. So much that after the service, I went up to this person, and I said, um, I really appreciate what you just sang. Thank you so much. And I'll never forget the person, the person went like this, they go, oh, oh no, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. And I remember thinking to myself, I could have sworn I saw your lips moving. (laughs) 
Now, I know what the person was trying to do. The person was trying to make sure that they didn't suddenly become more puffed up, that God got the glory. I understand all that. But I remember walking away thinking to myself, remind me not to compliment that person again. Because it's hard to give when people do that. Do you know what that means is, here's my question. When someone gives to you or gives to me, does it reach its intended destination? What is ultimately the purpose of a gift, the purpose of a compliment, the purpose of an act of service? It's to reach our heart. Us, right here. And if instead we deflect it like that, or we minimize it or whatever, we can rob that person of a gift. But when we choose not to do that, we actually affirm that person and we give them a great gift. And so I love to tell you that again, that that person was just out to lunch on that and that I, I never struggle with that. But in the last couple of years, uh, one of the other pastors has been calling me on this. And they've been saying, do you notice whenever I try and compliment you, you go, yeah, 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 okay. And then you say something back to me and it's like you try and top what I just said. And so like it, it, I don't think it ever gets through to you. I don't think you believe it. I remember thinking, oh man, I got some growing to do. And so in just a moment, I'm going to talk to you about how you and I can practice receiving and what the Lord's been teaching me. But let me just go back to my grandpa, Nelson. Here's a picture of him again. He died on Christmas Day, 1986. I think about him this time of year. My dad's dead. And I told you that he had a problem with receiving. And when you get to know someone's story, sometimes it makes a lot more sense. You don't know this, but my grandfather grew up in an abusive home. His dad went to church every Sunday and said, hallelujah, louder than anybody. But when they got home, he beat the tar out of his kids. And my grandpa lived in that kind of fear and that kind of pressure and that kind of abuse all of his childhood until when he was 13 years old, he was kicked out of the house and made to find a job as a farmhand and was never allowed to come back home. And that kind of stuff will break pieces inside of you. And also, he did not grow up in a time when men were taught to express affection openly. Other than that, he had everything going for him when it came to receiving. Tough. So that's one of the reasons why he always brought a newspaper. That's why he always brought a book, because he felt so exposed, so insecure. But later in his life, someone told him about Jesus, and he received Christ. And even after receiving Christ, it took a while, but he began to grow, and his heart began to warm, and his heart began to open more. So I tell you this, that just a few weeks before he died, my dad, I was uh, on staff with my dad here in Springfield at that time as the youth pastor. My dad had this sense, I need to go to Iowa because I'm not going to be able to be there on Christmas Day. I want to take my gifts to my parents, but also their 55th wedding anniversary. I want to take them out to dinner. It's December 10th. So we left on December 9th that year in 1986. The church let both of us go for three days. And we drove out there. I have lots of memories of that time. But one of the things I remember is that my dad, I told you, brought his gift. And when it came time, grandpa was sitting in that exact same chair. I can still picture it. And my dad gave him that. And we tried to take the pressure off. You know, we tried to look down, not put the big spotlight on, and also kind of guard your heart from rejection. You know, you're wondering how it's going to go. But this particular day, grandpa opened the shirt, opened the box, and inside was a flannel shirt my dad had picked out for him. It's brown. You can see it. It's, it's that same one, actually. And 
And uh, he looked at it, and he, instead of putting it down, he said, this looks really nice. And then he got out of the chair, and he walked down the hall into his bedroom, and he put it on. And he came out, and I remember I can still see him. He was going like this. He liked the material. And the next day we left to come back to Illinois, and he was still wearing the shirt. Ten days later, my grandma calls my dad on a Sunday morning, about 7 o'clock in the morning. The day before, my grandfather had had a massive heart attack. And my grandma was afraid to call my dad because she knew how busy he was on Sundays. And so she called him anyway. She said, I better let him know because he's in the hospital. We didn't know what was going to happen. I heard that. I drove over to my dad's house as fast as I could. My dad was sitting in his robe in the kitchen there, and I still remember he was crying. And I said, how you doing, Dad? I said, I'm so glad we went out to Iowa. He says, I am too. He says, Grandma called. She told me that Grandpa wore the shirt every day till his heart attack, 10 days. And then he looked at me and he said this. He liked the shirt. He liked the shirt. 29 years later, the fact that he likes the shirt still ministers to my dad and ministers to me. You see, as much of a struggle it is, the awkwardness that can happen, when you and I, instead of saying it's about me, say it's not about me, you and I can give a great gift. And so here's what I want to do. Let's just talk about how we can practice receiving this week. And here's what I've learned. I'll just put it in one line there. I'll just put it in one line. There's really three components most of the time to healthy giving. If you don't get all three of these, after the last service, someone was saying something to me, and they said, uh, they said two, two out of the three, and I said, it's okay if you don't get all three. This is just idea. But here's how healthy receiving looks like when I'm learning how to do it better. It usually means that when a gift comes our way, it means to acknowledge the gift, second, the giver, and third, the Lord. Acknowledge the gift, the giver, and the Lord. The Bible tells us to acknowledge the Lord in all our ways, but when we receive, the important thing is instead of going, oh, how does this make me feel? Oh, how do I look? We go, look, what a beautiful gift. So like, for instance, if you decided to compliment me, okay? I got to practice, right? You decide to compliment me, what I need to do is be able to say, that's very meaningful what you just said to me. Thank you for your compliment. And also, thanks for having the kind of heart that would want to say something like that to me. Acknowledge your heart as a giver. And then, lest I become puffed up or take it to myself, I look heavenward and go, thank you, Lord, for letting me experience that kindness from your hand because every good gift can be traced back to you. I acknowledge the gift, acknowledge the giver. Sometimes I don't do so well in this, like Trisha's a fantastic wife to me, and sometimes when I come home, if she makes dinner and I'm eating there, sometimes I'll go, uh, this needs more salt, or why did you put this in here? See, at that point, that's not a good way to acknowledge the gift, see? And I guarantee you she doesn't go, man, it's fun to give to Jeff. But if I can learn to go, thank you so much for making time to do this. You're a fantastic teammate. And Lord, we want to stop and before we eat this food, acknowledge it comes from your hand. Now that's a better way to receive, isn't it? 
And so as we close, let me just ask you a question that maybe I don't know where you are this season. I don't know what you have ahead this week. I don't know if you'll be alone or with other people. I don't know if you're actually thinking about work or whatever it might be where you're going to be in a receiving chair. But I want to just do everything I can to help you think about what God may be saying to you. So here's the question, Lord, where do I need to grow in this practice of receiving if you're following along? Lord, where do I? Jeff's talked about where he does. Peter learned where he did. Grandpa Nelson, where do I need to grow in this practice of receiving? And here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to ask you, if you would, once you've put that, you can put the notes down, or if you want to actually, I'll ask you to bring them out in just a little bit, but just bow your head and just use a few moments of time here before we're going to close with some music, but use this time to just say, oh God, what are you saying to me? You, you wanted to teach Peter, you want to teach me. What are you saying to me about receiving? Get very specific, God, if you need to, but what are you saying? For some of you, it may be, I'm asking you this Christmas to receive my son. You've been fending it off. You've been saying, never, Lord. And today's the day of salvation. He's saying, humble yourself and receive my son. Maybe you did that years ago, and so he's saying to you, hey, you're still struggling in the way you received this or received that. I want to help you. But let's just bow our heads as Eric plays, and let's just think about what God may want to say to us. One of the things the Lord's been saying to me lately is, Jeff, even though you've received technically a lot of things, you don't necessarily appreciate them like you could. So yesterday I was just standing with a guy in this church that I've known for 20 years, and man, he's been such a gift to me. And he and I stood and I just said, I don't want to put you in an awkward position. I just want to tell you, you're a gift in my life. You've made a real difference in my life. I thank God for you. And he said, well, you've, you mean the same to me. And uh, that was a 
very precious moment, God said, do that more this week. Notice that your eyes work or you can hear or you can do these things in life that I've allowed you to do. Treasure, receive freshly. Maybe that's a word for some of you. But in the last service, and I'll do the same with this service, is I, I, I read a prayer that I wrote this morning for any of you that might be ready to receive Christ into your life. Maybe you never knew that there's a difference between religion and Christianity. But so if, you, if it's in your heart to do so, pray this prayer along with me and make it your own. Lord, I've gone my own way and I've sinned against you. I deserve death and hell, like the Bible says. I cannot save myself, and I know this. But you offer me Jesus, who came and on the cross died in my place to make me right with you and to give me a new identity with you. So now I humbly receive your gift of Jesus and the gift of your Holy Spirit who can live in me and teach me to live as your dearly loved child in your family. Now and forever, amen. The Bible says there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over a hundred that don't think they need to. They're singing. And if you, if you trusted Christ today, you just received the very best Christmas gift you could ever receive. And I would just urge you, there's a place there in the notes to sign your name and date it and to thank the Lord and to start a brand new life with him. And we urge you to be part of our church family. Or if you're not from here, find a place where you can do it with other Christians and keep growing in this whole thing of giving and receiving. So... We are celebrating the greatest gift that's ever been given, God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ, who alone is the way to salvation and new life. And the Bible tells us that because of him, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. No matter what else gets shaken, it cannot be shaken. Therefore, we declare hallelujah, which is Hebrew or church words for praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. And so we're going to end the service today with some music and the choir is going to sing the hallelujah chorus from Handel's Messiah. Now, maybe you've never heard it before. Maybe you've never seen this, but since 1743, when King George II first heard it in England and he stood during the hallelujah chorus, people don't necessarily know why. Were his legs tired? Did he think that actually there was a greater king than him? We don't know. But when the king stands, everybody stands. And so ever since then, that's been the common tradition. And so we invite you while this is being sung to stand and sing along or listen, take it into your heart. But let's receive what Jesus has accomplished for us and let's praise him and let's be grateful receivers. Amen. So stand as they sing. <laughs> 